0: Welcome to the Financial Advisors Edge podcast, a show created by financial advisors for financial advisors. Are you ready for some straight talk about building and growing a financial services practice? Four advisors in different states, at different firms that have each built $100 million plus practices from scratch the right way through hard work, doing the right thing, and having fun while doing it. It's time for you to get the edge. Here are your hosts, Brad Warhurt, Jeff Copeland, Jim Martin, and Greg Gonzalez.
1: Hey, and welcome to another episode of the Financial Advisors Edge podcast I'm your host today, Greg Gonzalez. I'm here with Jeff and Brad, and we're short, Jim, but we're going to talk about how to create a niche in this business, why it's worked so well for Brad. And uh, it it was a natural calling to Brad, and he said... If he had to do it over again, he would do it the exact same way. It's a way to kind of separate yourself and to become a specialist when you can say, okay, I'm a specialist in this industry, in this segment. Um, so Brad, if you don't mind sharing, kind of tell us about your niche, why it works so well, any struggles that you had along the way.
2: Yeah, sure, Greg. Um, so you know, when I started, I, I know we've mentioned before that I kind of live in a... Uh, uh, pretty rural area. There's not a ton of big corporations around. And when I was first starting, um, you know, I kind of looked around and, and a lot of industry publications I was reading, you know, the, you know, average assets, production, whatnot of different types of advisors, you know, uh, generalist or uh, uh, tax preparers or people that ran a niche seemed to be one of one of the um, more successful groups of people that ran a niche type of practice so i looked around my area and uh, my wife is a teacher but also you know one of the biggest employers in my in my vicinity is public education you know I've, everybody's got local school districts in their area and i also uh, happen to have a relatively large uh, state university a couple blocks from my office so i thought uh, a good group of people for me to focus on would be public education so that's that's kind of what i did that that's how it came to be is you know I, I looked around what i had to work with and the you know procter and gamble hq or bank of america hq is nowhere near me so i took what was what was there and i and i developed a system to to reach those people
1: yeah, when you were starting out in this business, the thing I hate about this business when you're when you are you know first getting going, and I was going to all these conferences as a young advisor. And I was thinking, okay, how am I going to get new clients? And I'd go to all these presentations, all these webinars. They would say, "Oh, well, you just you just get referrals. You get referrals, and you're gonna." It's like, well, great. <laughs> 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 when I have three clients, it's kind of hard to ask those people for referrals. They're going to build and build and build my business. But right. we talked about on a on a previous podcast, people like to know that. You've done this before. That you have other clients that look just like them. Do you, do you tell people that, hey, this is kind of this is kind of my specialty. I work with, and obviously, you can't name specific names of clients, yep. uh, you know, for privacy reasons. But um, that that probably makes people feel good that okay, I'm I'm in the right place, Brad. This is his specialty.
2: Yeah, and actually, from from you know, ten plus years of just kind of hammering that particular market. I don't even need to say that at this point. I I actually have people that come to me. And now it's not I mean, you know, it's not every day, but but every year a handful of people come to me when they're when they're getting to retire Uh, from public education in my area, just because I've built the brand to know that I'm the one that, you know, especially teachers, but it's not just teachers, college professors, administrators, support staff, you know, they, they know to come to me when they're going to retire. I know the pension system, I know their benefits package and um, yeah, there's a lot of truth to that.
1: Awesome. Do you, uh, for the, for the clients that you have that are, that are pre-retirement and you, and Jeff, you probably do this too. You kind of know when, okay, Somebody's going to retire. Probably you're going to get a rollover at that point. I actually kind of have a a list or in my mind. Okay, it's like next year, for example. I know four people that are going to retire. That are going to. I mean, there's two and a half million dollars of rollovers that I can kind of count on. But the the te- uh, the teachers, the educators that you work with, don't they retire at a certain period during the year? Like all, isn't it like in the summer?
2: Yeah, usually most most teachers are retiring in June in in my area, late May, early June. Um, so, so it is nice to mention that. So in my state, um, the, the, actually all state employees, not just teachers, um, the pension works where they're, they're getting a rollover from the pension as well as an annuitized pension. Um, so everybody that's retiring has money coming due okay. and, uh, you know, that that's actually something that you should probably look into no matter what your state is, because, um, it's a handy thing to know if you're working with any type of, of public sector employee if they have a pension that works like that. Um, but what's what's nice about it is, and, and, and it, I would say it's it's usually in the in the quarter of a million dollar range is what people are getting out of their out of their pension in my area at plus a a thousand bucks a week or so for life. Um, what's nice is that as they, you know, I first started a lot. Of, everybody that I talked to that you know, looking for advice, like, how do you grow your book? Oh, just get referrals, whatever. A lot of those, a lot of people told me to not pursue this market because they don't have any money. Public sector employees don't have any money. So it's also nice in that if you can develop a niche where you can work with the people where they're still in their prime working years, my competition for rollover dollars is, you know, the the, not to offend anyone at a particular firm, but I'm just going to say the person working at Merrill that wants to come in and work with husband and wife, science teacher and math teacher that are about to roll over a quarter of a million bucks each, plus their 403Bs, those people have already been working with me for five or 10 years. So I think the chance for someone to come in from outside, the chance for a generalist to come into my niche at the prime time is is just not not as frequent. The competition is much less. They're already working with me.
1: Yeah, so they they probably oh. may have term life insurance or Roth IRAs, you know, maybe sure. former, you know, rollover IRAs, that kind of stuff with 529s if they're in education education I would assume. Yep.
3: Yep. So, yep. going thinking back to the beginning, Brad, how long did it take you to decide it was really going to work?
2: Ooh, that's a good question. For me personally that it was going to work for me, I'm going to say I'm going to say about 3 years in is when I is when I realized. I knew it would work because I knew I didn't create anything that I do on my own. I borrowed from lots of other mentors and adapted it to be my own. So I knew that the market was viable and I knew that the things I was doing worked for other people, but it probably took probably took 3 years for me to to see Yep, the system is, is producing the output that I want. Now, some of that was also, I was also you know brand new to the job. So I was figuring out other things, not just my marketing system.
3: So, yeah, were like you supplementing a- with other business or were, did you stay on the long, slow climb?
2: No, it was just a long, slow climb. Long, slow climb.
3: Okay, yeah.
2: And, and you I know, think like if you, anything, you, you got to do it for, you know, if you cold called for three days and then said, you know, you, I made 900 phone calls and I didn't get any clients and quit, nobody would do anything. You know what I mean? So, yeah, like anything
3: else, it takes some time to build. And and so then the other kind of elephant in the room, maybe I'll ask early on here. Um, I assume you're loading people up on seven to ten year. um uh surrender charge insurance products is that what you have to do when you're working in that market
2: oh at least 15 years That's no good. <laughs> <laughs> now, and so i do compete with a lot of that right um you know i do compete with a lot of times i run into Valic, i run into voya um, the, the typical annuity players um i would say if you want to if you want to um if you want to get into this niche market, there are other partners and companies that you can partner with that will allow you to work with um, public educators or, or college, you know, college professors without um, going down the 10 year uh, variable annuity for everyone route. I know that like, I don't know if they still, uh, I I discovered them as 403B ASP. It's, it's Aspire. Um, They're a, uh 403b centric um custodial platform fee uh, fee only custodial platform where basically they offer i don't don't know the details but where you can do you can build a mutual funder etf portfolio for um for, for a 403b plan i think that tia and fidelity also allow rias to bill on you know to to basically custody with them for a for this market um there's other vendors out there. I think Security Benefit is a platform for for anyone, for uh, anyone with a selling agreement. But I know they work with RAs. I know they work with pretty much anyone. And again, they can they obviously have the the the, uh, the annuity route, but they have the you know fee only mutual fund route as well. So there are vendors where you can get into markets without being uh, the the variable annuity slinger. No offense, to any variable annuity slinger. <laughs> Actually, you know what? I'm sorry. I'm just going to say it. Offense to the variable annuity. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, we've all had to unwind the unsuspecting right. teacher that didn't realize that she was starting a new seven-year CDSC with every monthly deposit. I mean, yep. I, it's trash. Oftentimes, yep, yep.
1: Yeah. I've run in that too a few a few times myself, and you you just kind of it, you know. Uh, but it's good to know, like you know, there's there's different options, and it, it's why you. It, you know, if if I was a an educator in Brad's area, I'd hope I'd find him because you know he, he's going to lay that's out great. the different options. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, but I, yeah, I guess the stigma behind it is uh, Brad, like you heard in the beginning. Oh, teachers don't have any money; they're paycheck to paycheck, and, and that's that's just not true. But that's what
2: people think. Yeah, I mean, there's doctors that are paycheck to paycheck in any industry. You're going to have the gamut of people with different financial habits. But you know what? On the on this subject, um, just to not kind of pigeonhole this discussion into just the 403b market, I think that you can do something similar in with any with any employer where you have um, we have enough employees to market to. Right? We're still law large numbers. You know, you send out 100 invites, you're going to get one response. Right. Um, but I have a, a, a friend of mine had a, a state farm office and they offer a product that's kind of similar to, um, like the, uh, that, like the Aflac product where like, you know, if you go to the ER and you end up with three stitches, you get like so much per stitch or whatever it is, I don't know. Um, like a hospital indemnity plan and what, what my friend did totally different industry. Right. And he ended up reaching out to a lot of the small businesses that he knew the owners or did business with the owners and said, Hey, you know, we can offer this plan to your employees by, by payroll deduction. Right. And yeah. he didn't make very much money on it. I think these plans cost like maybe 30 bucks a month or something, but his whole point was it was a free benefit to the employer, right? It cost them nothing except a checkbox and a payroll software so that they could offer to employees, but it gave him a reason to go to their work sites, their factory, their campus, their professional office, wherever he could offer it. And now he's a benefits provider to the employees. So we talked in another episode about doing like, you know, a lunch, a targeted lunch and learn or a seminar or something that gave him the ability to go in and then provide education and meet the employees on a more personal level. And then, you know, he was looking to go after I would imagine, you know, home and auto insurance or whatever his his goal was. But I always thought that that would be, that was a neat thing that could be done in our industry also, whether it was, you know, partnering with an AFLAC to offer a supplemental DI plan, partner with one of the 529 plans that, you know, if they set it up as a payroll deduction, um, they'll give them NAV on the purchases. I just really think if you can offer any benefit to a, a decent sized employer, that opens up their employee base to. I mean, we're going to call it education to them, but what it really is to us is is marketing, and I don't mean that in a salesy way, right? It's it's marketing. It's a way to build your brand awareness with, in this case, a captive group of people.
1: Yeah, I knew a guy, an advisor back in the day. He, you know, had an in with with a a, a private company, a cor- corporation, and he. Um, He would go in, you know, and do those lunch and learns and bring pizzas. And sometimes, you know, in their conference room, nobody would show up. Sometimes he'd have 25 people. Sometimes, you know, there'd be 10 people. But he did that year after year after year after year and got clients kind of here and there. And then all of a sudden, 2008 hit. They started laying off people and everybody had this guy's business card. And they were calling him with rollover after roll. He couldn't handle them. You know, yeah. he was working. You know, fourteen-hour days to handle all the rollovers.
2: Yeah, and you know, Greg, I think what would have happened there, since you said it started, it was kind of like drips and drabs, like here and there, a very low effort. It's not hard work to do what he was doing, yeah. but with if two thousand eight wouldn't happen and you there would a mass layoff, I think if you just kept doing that, he would have just seen as they as they naturally change jobs or retired, he would have seen that that in that pickup in, in business over time. And that's how sure. it worked for me also, you know, first it was like, you know, when you first enter a new market, you're, you're the new person, they don't know you. you're just there. But if you do something like that repeatedly, what I, what I think is nice about it is, you know, they get the, the, the target market just gets to know you and is comfortable with you. And you're, you, you almost become the default as your friend experienced when there was a, he didn't probably didn't even suspect it. No. No. He's right? probably kind of like, oh, this is nice. This is some extra a couple extra clients a year. It's a low cost, easy effort activity. And all of a sudden the floodgates break loose because, you know, there was an unfortunate liquidity event for a bunch of employees. Exactly. And like that industry term there, liquidity event, I know it's inappropriately (laughs) used, but (laughs) what what was neat
1: about the story is then, you know, obviously the the company recovered a couple of years, maybe it was too, maybe it took until 2010. And then they hired not, not those people back, but new employees back that were maybe laid off from other companies. So as then he became introduced to all these new employees and guess what, they had all had four one k rollovers from their previous company and the guy cleaned up, but, yeah. but kind of being Brad, I know you're that go-to guy, you know, in your area uh, for educators. That's what this guy was, that go-to guy, whether it's a company, whether it's a, an industry, whatever it is, you just want to be that guy to go to guy or gal. I'm sorry. Um, because uh, there's a lot of, there could be some female advisors listening to our podcast. So
3: Hopefully, well, Yeah, Greg, you were talking earlier. So we've been talking about employee niches, I guess, but you were saying you've found another niche that is not employee employer related at all, right?
1: Exactly. Uh, so, so I had a, I have a client that uh, he's really into to flying. He's a pilot, uh, private pilot. He's not commercial or anything like that. Uh, so, kind of wealthier guy. Really, really good personality. I, I get along with him really well. And there happens to be an airport like a mile from my office. And you know, after a meeting one day, he goes, "Hey, I'm going to the, air, you know, uh, the airport. You know, down here. To, I'm just going to fly around a bit. You know, whatever." And he goes, "You wouldn't want to go, would you?" And I said, sure. I I don't have anything to do, so (laughs) went with him. It was like it was so cool. Uh, I was asking all the questions, and man, he that that was like his hobby for a reason, right? Uh, And he's taken me out probably over a dozen times. He's introduced me to other friends of his, pilots, and it's turned into a lot of business, and it's fun, you know. Uh, Now I haven't gone out and got my pilot's license yet, but. Uh, they all want me to. All these guys are like pushing for me to go to get my pilot's license. So um, it could be, and, and I know it's cliche, and especially in our industry, is oh, you know, you need to join every country club you can and be the golfer. But we all probably know advisors who are good at golf and, and can pick that up. And, um, you know, whether it's being in a charity golf tournament with clients and, and going for uh,
3: groups of four or whatever, uh, that, that's another opportunity too. Uh, Yeah, I I actually, I mean, like the pilot thing, I've heard others say that in presentations on how to build a niche. And um, the thing is, is it's a hobby that you need to have a lot of money to do, right? I mean, only people with money are doing that for the most part.
1: Yes, all of those clients are... Well off, put it yeah. that way. Uh, they they and they know people with money, right? So uh, so that happens to be a very very good niche. That that's a good point, Jeff.
3: And and kind of related. Number one, did you say? Did, do you like this client that invited you the first time? Did you have a good relationship?
1: Yes. I I like the guy. He's, he's a guy you would go have a beer with. I mean, he's like, he's like, we get along, like, kind of like the the three of us and, and
3: Jim, when he's uh, with us, you know, he's, he's a cool guy. So my point is this has to be authentic, right? You can't fit this stuff, right? You know what, no matter
2: which of these, I feel like they're two, they're both niches, but you know, one is like turning your, your hobbies into almost a, a niche marketing you have to be i've always heard people say that have done it successfully though don't talk about work just go enjoy your hobby and but but the only thing you do intentionally from a sales perspective is try to meet people yep but don't you know don't be taking a stack of business if you like golf good go golf a lot we're at places where you might pe- meet people that you might want to work with i even i read about uh who was it i forget i read it i hear it Somebody said that they were in really, really well with the golf pro at the club that they play at and the golf and they knew to, you know, he'd just show up and say, and, and the, they knew to match him up with a threesome so that he would be always every round he would go out, he'd be meeting three new people. Yeah. But then you go just golf your game and be yourself at, you know, when you're doing something like that, you don't want to go and, you know, be pyramid scheme, shaking down people,
3: handing out business cards on the golf course. Yeah. And you can't be a hack golfer. That's only out there to do that. Right. That's yeah.
2: why That's not the way I built my niche because there's nobody <laughs> in the woods for me to talk to about investments. That's right. my golf balls go. <laughs> right.
1: And and I have heard if I'm a terrible golfer, so it's not a hobby of mine. Um, but you got to be a if you're gonna do that, you got to be. They say you got to be a decent golfer. Don't go out there and then like embarrass yourself. And yeah, nobody wants to play with a guy like that. You know, like like me. So I I, I haven't got into golfing and doing I do. that.
2: Do you? I mean, I, I want to play golf with you, Greg. <laughs> so you, I mean, yeah. I'm also terrible at golf.
1: Yeah. So, so play with terrible, but yeah, some of these guys are like, really, I mean, they play the tournaments and they're really, they're really into yeah. it. And they're like, Oh, this guy's freaking terrible. Yeah, and,
2: and I don't think, don't take that. If you're, don't take that to think like if you're not a scratch golfer, you can't do this. I think all we're saying is don't, don't be embarrassing and don't be embarrassingly bad. Right. That's what I was getting at. I mean, yeah, yeah. you, don't, have, you have, don't feel like you got to be a pro to do whatever it is, but at least know how to participate in the game.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, you can't be within the golf the golf ball and have no hand eye coordinate. I'm, that's what I'm saying is, if you're just like horrendous and you can't even hit the ball at all, um, maybe avoid that. What was funny about the pilot story is um, the, the client of mine who's a pilot all of his friends think he has like a lot more money than him and how it worked out is he he would introduce me i would not bring business cards or anything and uh, and he would say oh guys this is a this is my uh, financial planner. This is great. And they're like, oh, wow, this is good. Like, like, I must be managing like this huge sum of money. And so they all think this guy's a lot wealthier than, than they are. Well, it turns out his friends are wealthier than him. But for whatever reason, they think this guy's like rolling in it. So anyway, they're like, wow, if he's managing that guy's money, I want him to manage mine too. <laughs> so it's funny, it worked out, man. So, um, and they're good guys too,
3: you know, so- Right. Well, and, um, you know, one of the other, uh, discussions we had a few episodes ago was I work with people just like you, um, and actually mean it authentically. Yeah. You know, I, this is one of the things that, again, I've been to the presentations that say, build out a niche of whatever it's going to be and and be the rock star at it. I've always struggled to do that. But the more I think about it, I think, you know, unlike many in our business that, uh, That are looking for seventy plus clients. I'm not. Um, I'm kind of. It's interesting. I'm somewhere in between that and Brad. Um, My core audience, I think, is the fifty five to sixty five pre retiree, and so where it's a more of a. It's not quite a niche like the traditional definition of niches, but the thing is, you start to learn the vernacular of like how they think and what words that they all have in common, you know, especially like with Brad working with a lot of educators or uh, school district employees or public service employees. They have certain themes of things that they're all kind of looking for, I would guess. Uh, Wouldn't you say, Brad, and it's the vernacular that matters?
2: Yeah. And, you know, and I think that they can tell when, if you really are, you know, if you're if you're really working in niche, they can tell. I've had people over the years that come in. I mean, there's a very specific process about how someone has to retire from public education in my state. And I mean, I've probably retired, I I don't know, I'm going to guess 250 teachers. I don't know, somewhere around that neighborhood. And so you can, I've been able to tell with you sometimes when someone will go talk to another advisor first that, um, that doesn't, that doesn't know the system like I do, and they've made comments over time where you know, oh, you, you. We can tell that you've done this before, and I think that like the just like me thing, like that. You don't even need to tell; they don't need to ask that question. Who do you work with? They already know. They can tell, and I'm sure that any major corporation, if you can get into a niche like that and you learn their benefits package, you know, I'm sure that you know general dynamics or whoever or tesla they have their own very unique benefits package and you would be able to tell as a prospect if you talk to an advisor you talk to me about tesla's but be- i have no clients that work at tesla as far as i know no i don't you know talk to me and then talk to someone who focuses on tesla employees and you'll immediately know don't go with me right right Th- that person knows all of it so
3: yeah well you know it's the Basic sales training, like the really old school stuff, feel, felt, found. You guys know what I'm talking about? Mm -hmm. Uh, And there's truth in that. I mean, so again, like my best example of the niche I work in is the pre-retiree and the transition into early retirement. And I do say that often. I said, I'm guessing I know how you feel. (laughs) You've been saving money for all of these years. I talk to people going through this all the time. And again, they can tell that that's authentically true. And you know, I know you're struggling with going from the process of saving money to withdrawing money, and that that's not a financial issue. That's a psychological issue that you're working through. And there are advisors that are good at having that conversation, and there are many that aren't. Um, You know, they're jumping way too quickly into selling a product as a solution rather than talking through the psychology that goes into it. So I think that's kind of the science of this being in a niche is understanding the language that those people all tend to have in common and then being really good at delivering on that authentically.
1: I, I agree. Where it where an advisor can struggle, and I have seen other advisors struggle with that, is if you're working with the same type of person. Jeff, you said 55 to 65-year-old pre-retiree transitioning into retirement. Brad, you're talking about educators. Uh, you're talking to a lot of educators helping them transition into retirement. Where you can fall into a trap is if if you're going to if they're asking you questions, oh I have a question about a pension, I've got this Brad, you've heard the same question over and over and over you have to we as financial advisors have to hear them out even though you're hearing the same exact concerns the same so so the old the old uh, phrase is what telling is not selling you can't like cut them off. And I had this one advisor that I knew would like, they were like, oh, well, we're concerned about running out of money. I know. And then he would just like, (laughs) Like, this is how we're going to do that. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. This is why I'm credentialed. You have to like ask questions and let them speak and, and let them kind of pour their heart out to you. Even though Brad, you've, yeah, you've done this, you know, 250 times before you have to almost act like it's brand new.
2: Right. Like, I I get exactly what you're saying. And it depends on the person in the relationship. Okay. Sometimes I'm sitting there and I'm like, all right, you know, 14 seconds into a discussion. And I'm like, I already know what you're going to do. I already know. And I'm like, how do I walk? I have to run this meeting to make it look as though we're working through this together, even though the answer is painfully obvious to me. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) And and it's like with newer clients, I'm doing that. I'm like, okay, well, here's how we'll figure it out. But then, uh, you know, with some older clients, I've even said that I'm like, you know, listen, Bob, like we've been working seven years together. You know me, like uh, you're going to do this, 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 and this I'll have, you know, I'll have the paperwork ready for you next week. You don't need to go to this meeting. You don't need to go to that meeting. You need to write this letter and then we're done. And they're like, really, that's it? Everybody else is like, I'll go to all these educational meetings from the state and everything. And I'm like, look, I could send you to those, but the answer is obvious. You know, it's obvious. I know it's obvious. So, I mean, you can't. And they're like, no, 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 that's fine. Just take care of it.
1: I mean, that's why they hired you, (laughs) right? Not not the workshop guy. That's why they hired Brad. Right. To save them all that time.
2: Yeah. But that's funny funny. that you mentioned that where you're like, oh my gosh, how do I... I want to just say four words, and this could be over with, <laughs> right?
1: Right, but but it's it's that whole empathy thing, right? Of okay. yeah,
2: think about it, like you know, I don't know, the, the 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 exterminator comes to your house for bed bugs or something. You're probably like, oh my god, like all this, and he's like, yeah, yeah, I got it. We'll cover it up, heat it up, and it'll be done. Whatever, write me a check. But you're like, what is? Oh my god, this is life changing. And they're like, this is all I do, six days a week. Just get out of get out of your house. Come back in two days and we'll
1: be fine, right? <laughs> <laughs> but it, to you, it's the first time with the beg bugs, you right. want to go into like, Oh, are they going to come back? Is this going to, are they going to have babies and like, it's going to be a whole other thing, right. but yeah, they have to kind of, that's the whole, what I've learned with sales, I guess, cause we're, this is sales, you know, we're, we're selling our our service to people um, is you do have to have, you know, some empathy and, and be a good listener and be a good listener because people don't want to, um, I, I've had clients come to or prospective clients come to me and, and they've come in, like I said in, in previous episodes, with all these like fact sheets and like an annuity um like brochure, like it's really colorful and everything, like a bride house or something like that. And it's like, well, it seems to me like you met with a product specialist. <laughs> and they said, Yeah, he just like kept like hammering away. We need to buy this and this and this. And and what I ask him is what did he ask about like what you wanted? And they're like, no, he talked the entire time. Yeah. That's where um, Boy, a lot of us know, fail.
2: You know what? I think probably what all three of us are saying also when it comes to retirement, you know, is we're all doing this naturally. I think is, is keeping in mind that to them retirement is like, I just pulled bed bugs out of thin air, but like, that's a bit, would be a big deal to me. I know. Right. I would be like, Oh my God, I'd be on Google on 16 devices. Right think about this, though, They're to us, retirement, this is what we do. But to them, this is a huge, huge deal. And kind of like respecting that and, and helping them and understanding what they're thinking through this process, I think, is what we're all talking about, right? Yeah to make them comfortable, even though it's not a big deal to us because we do it all the time and we understand it. They don't know the Bright House brochure. They probably don't even know about Bright House versus MetLife or where Bright House even came from, nor do they care, right? Nor do they care. They just don't understand what's happening with retirement and need someone
3: to help them through it. Well, I'm I'm no behavior behavioral scientist or whatever you'd call it, but there is, I think, this idea of a niche is the fact that you then have an implied endorsement mm-hmm. because other people that they know that they know are sort of like them have already accepted you as a trusted service provider. I love and, that. That's perfect. I'm stealing it. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. But I think that is why this whole idea of having a niche is so important mm-hmm. um, because, you know, I like think we've said before in other discussions. People are fearful that they're behind and they Mm -hmm. feel like, to your point earlier, they feel like everyone around them probably has more money than they do and they want to be sure not to screw it up. Whether or not that's true or not, there is definitely a tendency, I think, for people to feel that way. And so this idea of people belonging to some kind of group, whatever that might be, and then if you can become the trusted service provider within that group, it's, it's invaluable over time absolutely
1: and especially like like Jeff you just said when they know like Brad I'm sure you have teachers that have mentioned oh I know you're Cindy's financial advisor and and Karen and you know Cynthia and, and they're like you, I mean what they already know you've already got the ringing endorsement
2: yeah Greg I was just thinking that as, as you were saying it. another benefit to a niche is a lot of time it doesn't matter if it's a type of employee it could be a it could be a division at a at a any company, it could be a department, whether it's, uh, you know, quality control at a local automotive plant or the math department at a school district, the chances are that that group of people that works together every day talk about this stuff with each other. So once you get in, and maybe you don't even know it, I probably don't even know it all the places that I'm in, but, you know, once you get into the quality—you get a couple of people in the quality control department at the local Ford factory, right? Like those guys talk to each other, yep. And when they do talk about this, when two and two or three of them are like, "I've been using Jeff for years," or "I've been using Greg for years," and and they do a great job, all the, the rest of the department is going to come to you because yep. they talk. Look yep. at us—we are in the, in the off time, not just on camera. I mean, look at—we talk right we're our own little niche right if somebody were trying to sell something to us software lead service whatever it was if they got in with with two of us and did a good job we're going to send the other we're going to send the other advisors that we know we're going to talk about it to the other advisors and they're going to seek them out
3: right that's good that's good advice you know what i often try and challenge myself to put put myself on the other side of my service offering Yep, um, and think about what niche I am a part of. I've never really done this. Um, yeah, and then what? How could somebody successfully approach me and get my you know uh, implied endorsement within that group of people? I mean, I am. I guess, I don't know what they are, but I am in a few niches, no doubt.
1: Yeah, (laughs) one is financial advisors, Jeff. You know, If, if there was like a Brad's example, if there was a service provider, maybe it was helping you with marketing or, you know, lead generation or something like that. Um, if that person understood our business and knew that probably you had a tribe of advisors that you talk to, like we're trying to form our big mastermind, our, our century club, um, you would think that provider would, would have a, not a pushy, but kind of a, a nice personal way of saying, you know, Hey, if you're satisfied with what we're doing, I, I know we can help your, your buddies. Um, and, uh, but the, the thing I, I say to clients, you guys might be able to use this, um, as i always say you know hey your business what we discuss here is completely confidential completely private i will never tell anybody that that you were here that you were at our office but i hope you tell everybody
2: that That's cool. Here. That's a cool. And
1: man, they, then they say, Oh, don't worry. We will, we're going to tell my sister, we're going to tell whatever. And, and I get a lot of referrals from siblings for whatever reason. Um, But, but anyway, it, it has helped me.
2: So, you, you know, Jeff, what you were talking about earlier, what, what niche are you a part of like we were doing this today about, and we won't, I we won't talk too much about it because we'll probably talk about this in a future episode, but I mean, Earlier today, we are talking about digital lead services, right? And we're not going to yeah. say which ones right now, but I mean, look how much we've influenced each other's behavior, just our own feedback in our group chat about these. I mean, we've made dollars and cents decisions based on this. It's the same thing. It's, yeah. it's the same
1: thing. And what's so great about that is, is we're selling each other on what maybe whatever digital lead service it is. So by the time like Brad's clients, I'm thinking of an educator that comes into Brad saying, Hey, uh, I work, you know, right next door to Cindy, Cindy's the sixth grade teacher or whatever it is. She's already sold on you. You don't have to do any,
2: she, she wants to hire you. Like (laughs) it's the same thing with the services we were talking about. I don't know who started it. Right. But but I guarantee at least one, probably two of us called them, not the other way around, because we were talking about it. Yep, I bet. I don't know who started it. I know which one of us is unhappy that we called. <laughs> <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Well, they may not be here right now, but <laughs> <laughs> but but
1: that's why. What's so cool about referrals is, I mean, you can as long as in that introduction meeting, Brad, you don't say something to Cindy like. I think puppies are ugly. There should be think,
2: no puppies in this world. Right. I like, think government employees are lazy or some highly offensive thing to the person like you're golden. Yeah. <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna get them. So by the way, I don't think that, and I also have never had bed bugs. I'm just pulling examples out of the air.
3: <laughs> well, look at look at your YouTube feed. Right? I mean, talk yeah. about exploiting niches. I mean, yeah, that yeah. is all what YouTube has become is how do I exploit the niche of whatever, you name it. I mean, car detailing or shoe care or clothing or makeup for teenagers or whatever. I mean, look at the world around us marketing to niches. And yeah, its I, I hadn't thought of it in terms of replicating that in what we do, but it's the exact same thing. Same yeah. thing. And
2: Jeff, you said something earlier that I have always done. Um, whenever I think of how I'm going to market to someone, I always think of how I would respond to it mm. myself, right? And I go back and look at some of the stuff that I did when I first started, and the stuff that I worried about. And you guys know what I'm talking about, right? That how many pages should this binder be? This pitch book be like? What font should I use? That doesn't yep. matter, right? If you think whenever you're testing, so you think would it work on you? And look at this, like, you know, if this referral thing within a niche group, right? If one of you guys told me. ABC seminar, uh, turnkey seminar group is terrific. The ROI is huge. They do everything for you. The people come ready to hand you their money. I'd be like, I'd be calling them as soon as we get off of this podcast. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, I always think about how how I would personally respond to marketing before I do it. Great point. That, that's good. That's good. And the the niche is just so natural.
1: So I, so you can see how that has just kind of snowballed for Brad because the, I mean, the educators, I mean, how many hours a day are they spending with each other? And the ones that retire, it's like, oh, well, Cindy's retiring. It's like, how's Cindy retired? Oh, she talked to Brad. Oh, oh, Brad. Yeah. I've seen him before. You know, he's been, you know, coming around for years and he gives the talks and I get the invitations in my mailbox. It's just gotta be a nice. Yeah they all know about you they all knew who to call so
2: yeah yeah, that's that's huge so uh, i've actually even a couple of times had people come in in groups yes yes and it's always like i said like a department like uh, or to be like the third grade of so and so elementary or like the whatever committee at the university like a couple of times i've had uh, one time it was like six people. I'd used the conference room for this meeting and it wasn't a seminar presentation. And they were all like, I mean, they were hell bent on like, no, we're, we're not here to like hear this. That we're here to start doing this together now. I'm like, <laughs> I've never, I've never filled out six applications in front of each other before. So bear with me. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> I promise you they're talking to each other. Wow.
3: Yeah.
1: Yeah. And that and that's what you want. That's where, you know, the people are, um, you know, as we first got started in this business, it was, oh, just get referrals and you'll have mo- more business than you know what to do with. That's where it. it's much easier if you have a niche that talks to each other and and you're the go-to person. So there you go. Uh, and,
2: the, you know, we're picking up stuff that's even off topic here, like not, yep. not off topic, but you know, how my referrals came to be like, if I had to articulate that, you know, if you'd asked me an hour ago to articulate it, I don't know that I would have come up with that answer, but that's clearly one of the answers. And Greg, what you said about how, I mean, you, you take away the sliminess of being of like, please tell your friends and family about me, or do you know anyone else I can help you make a joke of it that people will remember? Cause it's funny. Right. 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 You get referrals. That is real. I'm stealing that just so you know. <laughs> please, please
1: do, because I, I was taught, you know, I was taught in the very beginning, all the bogus, like, okay, um, don't ask people, do you know anybody? Ask, because they'll say no. Then, well, you got to ask them, who do you know in your circle of people and pick up your pen and don't look them at it in the eye until they yeah. tell you people. It's like, how slimy and skeezy is that? You know, <laughs> yeah. that, that just didn't work for me.
2: Uh, no, and I've heard a variation of that where you put the pen and paper in front of them and say, "Write down five people that are like you that I could also help," and then yeah. say nothing, which I'm sure works a decent amount of the time. But is I don't really like like I would rather make a joke like you did. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right. it just comes across as so much, you know, more genuine, but there's, was a guy who sold life insurance right out of college. I went to college with him. I didn't know him that well. And he called me up out of the blue one day and here I was like a 22, 23 year old guy. And he's like, Oh, Hey, you know, I'm working as an intern for this life insurance company or whatever. And, uh, Hey man, you need, uh, you need life insurance and, uh, hey. Uh, real quick, I was on your Facebook page. Uh, can you give me 10 names of people who you can refer to me? And it was like, dude, I don't want to give them your name. So uh, anyway,
2: there's. And, you know, just, just to wrap that part up, like that's not, um, I don't think we're trying to say that that's bad because that works, right? That, right. mutual that insurance company isn't teaching them to to sell that way. Cause it doesn't work. It does work. I think what we're talking about is just adding more arrows to people's quiver. Like if they, if you don't want to ask for a referral like that, here's a couple other ways that you may be able to get them. I think, right. So everybody knows they could just pick up the phone and call 10 hours a day and eventually you'll run into enough people. You just might not you know, want to wake up any morning ever again. <laughs> we're, just, we're not saying that these don't work. We're just saying, Hey, if you don't really like the way that that feels, and maybe it's not a good fit for your personality, here's a couple other ideas. Right, I think that's what we're saying.
1: Yeah, I mean, put yourself in the you know when you say something like that, say it out loud or or have somebody say that, ask you that question. How does it make you feel? Put like Jeff said, put yourself in the in the client shoes or the prospect yeah. shoes, and uh, and you make the decision yourself. But yeah. uh, but anyway, that's what works for us. I hope this episode of the Financial Advisors Edge podcast has been helpful. Check out our website, the. FAEdge.com. We'll be next. We'll hear. We'll be here next week for another episode. And, uh, guys, any last thoughts?
3: Have a good no. day- afternoon, everyone. <laughs> share with your advisor friends. Please share and give us a five star review you go, if you liked us. If you don't like us, don't give a review. <laughs>
1: that sounds good to me. Only five star <laughs> reviews, listeners. Uh, we'll see you
3: next week. See you guys. See hey you guys.